Uh, well, today's going to be different in, in a lot of ways, and uh, my time, my, my sermon is going to be sort of broken into a couple different pieces, to be honest. And I, but I do want to start, we generally don't preach a, a whole sermon on mothers, but we do want to honor mothers. We realize it's a, it's a, uh, a difficult, like that, this day falls just in a lot of different ways. And for some of you, it's purely joyful, and others, it's, it's a mixture of, of joy and pain, and for others, it's, it's kind of just pain. And so we want to just start... I'm going to read uh, something that uh, someone in our church wrote and, um, and let that sort of be just a, a time to honor mothers and then we'll pray for them. And then, then we're going to share a time in the Word, pretty brief time in the Word, and that's all going to head us toward communion. And then we'll partake together. Uh, so that, that's the plan. All right, let's, let's start by just, uh, moms, we love you and um, we just want to honor you for a moment. This reading says this, uh, this is from the mother's perspective, and if it hadn't been such a crazy day, I would have just had her read it, but... Uh, just too many people moving around. So uh, from a mom's perspective, says this. Some days I wake up early and the kids sleep late. I take a shower, get dressed, make coffee. I take some time to read and get some work done. I check the calendar and make a plan for the day. Doctor appointment at nine. Got it. I made breakfast for everyone. I engage well with the kids all day. Nap time already. I check off my household to-do list. and The baby takes a long nap. The older kids and I do a fun learning activity together. I make lunch for everyone. We have fun doing schoolwork together and learning. I'm productive with cleaning and maintaining the house. The kids help with chores. We play outside. Dad's home. Didn't realize it was five already. I have already planned, prepped, and started dinner. Grabbed the birthday present that was ordered days ago for the party. Kids, everyone gets a bath, and we snuggle and read on the couch before kisses and bed. But... Most days, the kids wake me up. I've slept longer because I was up in the night with kids or my usual bout with midnight anxiety, thoughts and fears of the slight possibility that something extremely rare might someday happen to one of my children, my husband, or myself. Already I'm behind. Remove the one-year-old from the top of the dining room table kids get their own random breakfast, microwave, frozen pancakes for the toddler. I just want to brush my teeth and get some coffee. Uh, The boy has dumped out the dog food again. They begin lobbing requests at me, making messes before I can get the message from the previous day caught up. I still have on what I slept in. No shower today, again. Remove the one-year-old from the top of the dining room table. The baby needs to eat. The kids have been entranced by YouTube for hours now. It's nap time. Breathe. Call from the doctor. I forgot the appointment. We do schoolwork that takes twice as long because of the fighting and crying. I still haven't started housework. Is it five yet? How, how is it just one? The clutter and mess seeps into my nerves. I snap on the kids. Frantically, I attempt to clean as much as I can in as little time as possible. Why am I so frustrated? Did I eat? Have the kids eaten? Why am I not even hungry? I sit down to eat something anyway. Baby's crying. Never mind. Text message about the email I missed. Check email. Behind on work stuff. Remove the one-year-old from the bathroom. It's five. Crap. Dinner. What do we have? Chicken nuggets in the air fryer. I forgot the birthday party. Dad's home. Breathe. Kids need a bath. Eh, they'll be fine another day, like me. He put kids to bed. We're going to hang out. How is it 1030? The 
baby needs to eat. Repeat. We often say, if you don't stop blank, or if you keep doing blank, I'm going to go insane. Mama, you're already there. As Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. It's Groundhog Day for many of us. There are a few things worth the self-inflicting insanity of motherhood. And those things just happen to be the ones who gave us the title. To the moms who wrestle daily, balancing kids, work, school, activities, appointments, meals, and so on, you are seen. The world would stop without you. Amen? Let them celebrate you today, moms. To the moms who long to be wrestling with these things but suffer from infertility and loss, it's okay to grieve today. You are not alone. To those who wish to be spending the day with their mothers or children but can't, to those who had a challenging relationship with their mother, to those who didn't have a mother in their life at all, I'm sorry for the conflicting emotion that this day brings to you. Today can be joyous, but it's often hard for many. We don't feel worthy, yet we don't feel appreciated enough. We suffer from relentless guilt for fill in the blank. We are moms, but we don't have children. A piece of us is missing. We can't celebrate with our children or our mothers. We spend hours standing in the card aisle. They don't make the Mother's Day card that we need. Another blank one. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray for our moms. God, would you, uh, would you bless our moms? It's such a gift to us in so many ways, and yet we know that there are, there are so many challenges, struggles, the dynamics that they, they face every day, and the enemy loves to lob guilt toward them and make them feel like they're not doing enough or fill in the blank. Lord, and there are pains for those who can't have, as the reading mentioned, and those who, who didn't have with their mom. We just pray that you would be present with them this morning. May they be blessed and may they, have, may they have joy regardless of their circumstance and what may they have some joy in you this Mother's Day. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you would turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. Uh, if you're on the app and you, if you didn't bring your Bible, actually, there's a little icon, uh, scripture icon, and it'll take you right to it. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24 in just a moment. Um, I'm going to be honest, today, like I said earlier, today's just, just kind of hard, and uh, I don't have my own stuff untangled. I changed what I was going to say. We're not, we're not going to be in 1 Corinthians 8. Um, I changed what I was going to say, and honestly, I'm, not even, I'm still not even quite sure what, what I'll say. We're just going to look to the Lord together. Um, as, as many of you know, most of you probably know at this point, uh, Pastor Darren Patrick, the, the founder of The Journey, um, passed away this Thursday. And um, I know that, that that's different for all of you. Some of you are like childhood best friends with him. Some of you are relatives. And some of you really barely know about him, just depending on your engagement with our church. But as I said in the email, if you've been impacted by the journey at all, then you've been impacted by Darren. Um, the way that we do church, the fact that we say each week we're flawed and imperfect people, it's okay to not be okay, like he shaped all of that. He shaped who we are. God used him to shape those things. And so um, we as a church grieve today. Um, and so 
you know, we'll talk later about how we're bonded together in the midst of this, no matter, you know, where, what your relationship with him or, but, but just as a church, we're, we're together in that. And so, so that's part of it. And some of you are grieving deeply because of that. Others of you are, are really, you know, really kind of all of us are in this tension of coronavirus, COVID-19, the shutdown and, and this just massive influx of information and who to believe and what to do and how to do it. And, and when can, and, and there's just so many questions and tension, and, and I just, I, honestly, it felt impossible to me to get up and really do anything that, that did any of that or all of that, certainly justice this morning. Uh, but what I felt like the Lord impressed on my heart was to go to Jeremiah 23, or Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and there's this passage, there's this line that says, let he who boasts, boast in the Lord, and Paul uses that several times in Corinthians, in the series we've been in. And, but he gets it from Jeremiah. And in this passage where, where Jeremiah speaks this truth, it's in the midst of Jeremiah as a prophet, and he's writing to the, the people of God, particularly the, um, the people of Judah, about their, the, the judgment of the Lord is coming. And it's going to get really, really messy, like bad. Like Jeremiah is weeping about the judgment that is going to come. There's going to be death. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be fighting. Um, destruction of, of their country. And it's in the midst of that that he says these wise words. And so my hope is that for a moment that, that what we can all leave here with today is our hearts anchored in the truth that our Lord Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He ain't, he ain't stepping down. He's not going to leave that post. That he has indeed conquered death that he gives us a hope beyond this world, and he gives us a hope in this world, a hope beyond this world that informs how we live in the midst of this world, whether that be pain or frustration or all of the above. May we all just look together at this instruction from the prophet to anchor ourselves in who Jesus is. So the passage says this, Verse 23 of Jeremiah 9 says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. So this judgment is coming, this impending uh, moment of, of really, man, it's going to be really, really bad. And what Jeremiah says is, hey, as you're kind of grasping at what to do and, and what to cling to, what to process with, here's, here's what the wise man is going to do. He's not going to go... He's not going to go to his wisdom. He's not going to go to his mind. He's not going to say, I got this. He's not going to double down on his own understanding and insert that. Like he, he doesn't go to his money. Instead, he says, but let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So he says, let him who boasts. And I don't, I don't know that that's this, this, this place of just standing up and, and declaring your knowledge and your understanding. I, I mean, a lot of people are doing that right now uh, on social media and just in general. Like every, everybody has an opinion about the, you know, the economy, the virus, the 
politicians. I mean, everybody has an opinion, and everybody's standing up to sort of make that known. And social media gives everybody a platform for better and for worse, right? And it's a curious time. But, but I don't know that that's what it means by boast. Like, just replace our boasting in the Lord with, a, you know, our boasting doesn't just try to, we don't try to boast louder in the same obnoxious tone as the rest of the world. In fact, Jeremiah is coming with this place of humility because he knows what's coming to the nation of Judah. He, and his heart is broken to the point that he is weeping. And, and that leads him to a humility that is not this arrogant boast, but rather, man, I understand what the Lord is doing. I understand what is happening, and it is hard, and I don't like it, but I am submitting to the Lord, and I'm hoping in the Lord. So judgment is coming on God's people for them rebelling against God's way. And I'm not here to say that that's what the coronavirus is, uh, you know, in this time. Uh, but w- w- what we do know as God's people is that our world is full of brokenness. Our world is full of sin and sickness. Not because God is some vengeful, you know, just gets a kick out of, of putting us through suffering. And, and it's not because God is, you know, impotent and not able to do something about it. Rather, we know from the truth of the scriptures that our world is full of brokenness because it's full of sin. That it is our sin that has led to the fracture of God's good world that led to sickness, pain, and death. And so before we rise up in outrage and point fingers here and there, we need to understand the source of this is indeed the brokenness of the world that is rooted in the sin of us. And that God is not indifferent toward it. In fact, he is engaged with us. And that's and so that, that brings us to this place of humility. And I'm not saying we don't care about the details of of, you know, reopening and vi- I, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, that before we go there and, and speak our voice there, or, you know, start trying to have understanding about that, we go to the Lord first. That in this season that we should be a people who, who boast like in the Lord and, and that we know him and understand him. And, and, and here's, what, here's my encouragement to you. In all of this chaos, have you set before the Lord and said, Lord, teach me. What do you want to teach me through this? That even, like, that God says he works all things together for the good for those who love him. That, That what, you know, Satan, the evil one, or just people meant for evil God will turn that around for our good. That, that in this, the midst of this, even though it's hard and there's suffering and there's confusion and, and we don't, there's uncertainty, and in moments of uncertainty, we, we, are, we are all prone to grasp for something. Have we postured ourselves and just said, Lord, what would you have me learn in this? What would you have me to change in this? Some of you, your schedules have absolutely been stripped. I've seen so many more of you going hiking and, and spending time outdoors because you don't have 15 soccer games and softball games and, and, and these things. Like, it's been, a, it's been a gift in some ways, and there's been a people, uh, sort of a redirecting of our time. And so like, things like that can be a blessing. And so have you asked the Lord, what, what do you want to teach me in this? Have we started with humility? And then, may we boast in this, wherever we are, whatever is weighing on us, may we leave here a people that are boasting in this, that, that he is the Lord, he is on his throne, and he practices steadfast love. That means he's a, he a practitioner of love, steadfast love. Not wavering, like if I'm in the mood, kind of love, but, but steadfast love. He's a practitioner of that, and he 
practices justice and righteousness on the earth. May we, and here's the deal. How, how does God show us his love? Romans 5, 8 says this, that, that while we were still sinners, God shows us his love in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we say it all the time, and, but we, we're, we're headed toward communion. I want to anchor our hearts in this, that, that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all that is going on, in the midst of suffering, some want to say, see, how could a good God allow this? But the gospel says, God doesn't just allow it. God entered into it. That Jesus left his throne, wrapped himself in flesh, and inserted himself into our world, into our suffering. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That his love is displayed on the cross. And that that is just true period. No matter what's going on, we can look to the cross and know, no, our God does care about our suffering. Our God does care about our pain, so much so that he took it on himself. And that his justice, we can look forward to a day when he's going to wipe every tear from every eye. He's going to do away with every bit of evil and bring in justice once and for all. We can look ahead to that day and we can know that that right now in this moment, he is practicing righteousness. He is making the right call. Even when we don't understand it and we, we can't see it, he's making the right call. May we be a people who are shaped by that, we're humbled by that, and we're anchored in hope by Jesus, the gospel, that he came, that he lived the life that we couldn't live. He suffered in every way, and he was tempted in every way that we are, yet he was without sin. He lived the life that we could not live, but he died the death that we should have died. And then he rose again, and he's there victoriously sitting on his throne, offering forgiveness and a hope to any who would turn to him. And it is that hope that we cling to today. Across the board, wherever you are, let's look to Jesus. You should have got on your way in, hopefully, uh, some little communion elements. And it's, it's not our beloved bread and, and cup in the way that we are, are used to partaking, but uh, we are eager to observe communion once again together. Because here, I, I was talking to someone this morning um, Actually, I talked to two different people this morning, one who who knew Darren and one who didn't. And the one who didn't was was expressing the the pain that they they felt for those friends in the church that that did know him dear and and were close to him. And and, and they they, they wanted to to just be there for them and they, they, you know, didn't fully relate, but man, they just loved them. They were expressing that. And here, that's the body of Christ being the body of Christ. We invite you all the time into community. If you're not in community, man, we, we want to help plug you in to that. You can text The Journey to 97,000, I believe, and, and we'll help plug you in. You can go to our website and go to Connect page and find a community group and, you know, connect right there. But we want to invite you in because here's, the, here's what the body of Christ does. We are not alone in this. We're not alone in our grief, and even if we can't fully share, like we're there for one another, and part of what we have longed to do, we haven't met together in weeks, and one of the things that I've missed, I know you have missed, is sharing in the, the body and blood of Christ together in communion. And so, uh, you should have got some elements, and uh, I, they're different, I'll give you that, but it, it's not about the type of bread, it's not about the type of juice, it's not about how they're packaged, it's about what they display, and so if you, if you take that out, you peel off the top layer, there's two, two peel-aways there, and you'll find a, a, a small wafer there that is, that is the bread 
It symbolizes the, the body of Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. So go ahead and peel that open. Take that and bread and let's partake together. And likewise, that night Jesus took the cup. And he says, this is, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink. Take and drink. Church, what I'm most encouraged by, and one of the reasons we waited to, until we were gathered together to do this, is one of the, like, there's so many layers to the goodness of this gift of communion, and that's why we celebrate it every time we gather as, as a journey church. But um, one of the things that is so beautiful about it is, is that this is a sacrament, this is a, an observance, this is a meal that makes the many one. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 17, he says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we partake of the one bread. So regardless of your status in life, older, younger, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of whether you're in a really good place today or in a really bad place today, we are united together by the bread and blood, the bread and juice, the bread and the cup of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and we're going to close our time with worship. Um, man, let's let's sing out. Let's let's just let's let our hearts be ministered to by the words. Let's let's let our hearts be just encouraged by the fellowship, even though it's it's still distant. Let's pray, Jesus. We need you. We say that every week, but sometimes it's more clear than others, and um, we just need you. Would you just fall and, and just continue to be present and, and move in our hearts, in our midst this morning? Thank you for giving your life, for allowing your body to be broken where ours should have been, for spilling your blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Thank you. Father, may those words not be lost on us and may you cause them to, to fall powerfully into the hearts of each individual that is, that is hearing this today. And may we be moved to trust in you and to boast in you. We ask these things in your name now. Jesus, be near. You promise that you're near to the brokenhearted and you save the crushed in spirit. Would you be near this morning? In Jesus' name, amen.